Hey guys, Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks as always for listening into this week's podcast. If you haven't, do us a huge favor. Rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. I would be so appreciative of it. We are growing this thing each and every week. More downloads every week because of you. And if you want a free Heartland College Sports koozie, all you got to do is email me a screenshot of your rating and review. Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'll get that in the mail for you right away. Enjoy the podcast, guys. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25-20. Breaks a tackle. 15-10-5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line. Jesse, 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line. Touchdown, 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score. Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter. And the Horn Frogs now go up 13-7. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. So as we got closer and closer to the NFL draft last week, it became more likely that Baker Mayfield was going to be the number one overall pick. But I got to be honest, I was not buying it, and I didn't totally believe it until it actually happened. Pete Mundo back with you, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us. So now based in Kansas City, Missouri, after a few years in New York City, prior to that in Woodward, Oklahoma. So appreciate you guys joining us for the radio show and or the podcast version. Uh, It's great to be here as always. So let's dive right into the NFL draft and what's gone on there and what happened for the Big 12. First off, when it comes to the Big 12 numbers, they got 20 NFL draft picks up from the 14 last year. The SEC had 50-something. And the numbers that I ultimately touched base on and I talked about was the fact that when you look at how the draft played out, the numbers we should care about, right, is the fact of how many picks per team did each conference have. Because, yeah, you can say the SEC has more picks. Well, they also have more teams. How you break it down is picks per team in each conference. SEC was still in first place with 3.8. Then it was the ACC with 3.3. Then the Pac-12, 2.5. Big 10, 2.3. Big 12, 2.0. So less of a disparity than when you look at the total numbers, which is certainly important and worth something. But I thought the Big 12 overall had a pretty solid draft. You know, you had the number one overall pick, which... Uh, people started to expect over the last bunch of uh, days. But then there was a massive drop-off. You had zero Big 12 picks from 2 to 49. The second guy from the Big 12 picked was Connor Williams by the Dallas Cowboys, the Texas offensive lineman. That was surprising to me. I thought a guy like James Washington might go earlier. I thought Mason Rudolph might go earlier. Connor Williams could have been a top 10-15 pick had he been healthy the entire season. He was hurt by his own injuries. Uh, Even Orlando Brown, I thought, might go higher than he ultimately went. 
And Mark Andrews is a steal by the Baltimore Ravens in the third round as well. So it was a good, it was a deep draft for the Big 12 when you have that run from 76 to the 89th pick when you have five guys going over those 15 picks in the third round. That shows off the depth of the conference. But outside of Baker Mayfield, the NFL did not believe that it had that top-tier talent. And that's certainly something that uh, we've discussed and we've kept an eye on. But the number is certainly better than they were last year, trending in a very good direction. And that's something that uh, the Big 12 desperately needs. Because the conference has fought this now for the last several years, which is that it's really not the Power 3, but it's the Power 4. And then there's the Big 12. And that's not fair because we've seen the Big 12 time and time again beat some of these SEC and ACC powerhouse teams in either bowl games or non-conference games or, uh, you know, look at Ohio State and Oklahoma last year. We've seen the Big 12 compete and win a lot of these matchups. But it's a total mess when you actually think about the fact that from a national perspective, the Big 12 still doesn't get the credit that I think it ultimately deserves. And that's where the storyline is now starting to change, and it's going to continue to change. We just had a 2018 draft class where Oklahoma and Texas were both ranked in the top 10 for the first time together in years. We have Lincoln Riley, who, you know, jury is still out on what kind of a head coach he's going to be, although I think he's going to be very good, and he had a great first year. But, man, he is recruiting better than Bob Stoops was towards the end of his tenure. Oklahoma, you look at the 24-7 draft composite, a 24-7 sports, the recruiting guys. Oklahoma's got the best class in the country right now for 2019. Tom Herman's coming off a top three class in 2018. And then you look around the rest of the conference. Matt Rule is way over-recruiting considering what Baylor has been through off the field and on the field with a one-win campaign last season. You bounce around the conference. You have guys like Bill Snyder always overachieving. Matt Campbell is doing good things at Iowa State. Mike Gundy, I've always thought Mike Gundy under-recruited for the success that he's had, but that's a story for another day. Gary Patterson has been able to build himself into a top 20 program essentially in the country, both on the field and on the recruiting trail, and that's enormous. So there's certainly a lot of reason to believe that this conference is trending in the right direction, not just on the field, which we've talked about, but when it comes to what's going on uh, in the NFL draft rooms and in terms of what's going on with the recruiting scene, this is all good news for this conference. And it continues a positive trend, which began, I would say it began last year. When you had new faces, Lincoln Riley, Tom Herman, you had success in the non-conference, highlighted by Oklahoma beating Ohio State. You had a team in the college football playoff that, dang, we all know and we all think that OU should have been in that national championship game, but it didn't happen. Uh, But it, it continues that positive momentum. The Big 12 had a really good recruiting year in 2018, closing strong, finishing with a couple teams in the top 10 and uh, lots in the top 30, 35. So you got to be optimistic right now. you got to feel good. When I look at the NFL draft for the Big 12, and I see some of the what I would consider steals of guys who were picked, I look, there's a couple of names that stick out to me. Marcel Aitman's seventh-round draft pick by the Raiders is they just robbed him blind. You know, Raiders do a lot of dumb things, 
But I'll tell you what, Marcel Aitman in the seventh round is a damn good pick. Fifth round, Los Angeles Rams. Got to sure up that defense. Obo Okoronkwo, Oklahoma linebacker in the fifth round. A steal coming off the edge. Continue on up the board, Kiki QT, a wide receiver for the Houston Texans in the fourth round. Another guy who I think is going to do big things as a slot receiver at the next level. Dorrance Armstrong, Cowboys, fourth round, defensive end, Kansas, had a monster year in 2016, tailed off a little bit in 2017. If he gets some more stability, gets himself into a good position, a good location, um, and keeps a level head, he can have a very successful NFL career. And he was overlooked because he was at Kansas. And you go up the list from there, I think Mason Rudolph and James Washington are in ideal scenarios with the Pittsburgh Steelers. First off, it's a top-notch organization. James Washington is going to essentially replace Martavis Bryant, who was shipped out of town. Uh, He's going to have Big Ben throwing deep balls to him all day long, and no one loves the deep ball like Big Ben Roethlisberger. So that's a great fit for uh, Washington with his long arms, uh, his ability to go up and get the jump ball. I think he's going to be a big-time success for the Steelers, especially as well because you have so much focus turning to Antonio Bryant. So he's not the number one option. He's not going to be drawing the double teams, the you know safety on the back end, the corner on the front end. He is going to have his chances to make big plays down the field. And uh, the Steelers did really well with James Washington with the 60th overall pick. As for Mason Rudolph, I'm torn on what kind of pro quarterback he's going to be. I'm just not sold on it yet. Uh, he didn't do great throughout the combine stuff. He didn't do awesome on the Wonderlick. Uh, the system, of course, is concerning. But if he gets a couple of years to develop and learn the system and learn from Big Ben, man, oh, man, he can be a big-time quarterback at the next level. And he's in a perfect spot. Big Ben's not going to do this forever. This is not going to be Jimmy Garoppolo 2.0 because Big Ben's 36. He's already hinted at retirement. He's going to be done at some point, I think, in the next two to three years. And if Mason Rudolph learns, then you know what? I think he's going to be in great shape. And then, of course, there's Baker Mayfield, right? The Cleveland Browns, where quarterbacks go to die, where most players go to see their careers come to an end. But I got a sneaky good feeling about this. I mean, call me crazy. But, man, if they let Tyrod Taylor do his thing, let Baker sit, let him soak it all in, let him adjust, let him get acclimated and comfortable... I just have too much a belief in what Baker Mayfield can do, not just talent-wise as a player, but personnel-wise as a leader of men. And that's what he is. There was a report from Cleveland.com after the draft that said uh, Baker Mayfield was the number one quarterback on at least half a dozen team boards. That tells you all you need to know. This is not the Browns being the Browns. Other teams saw this, and other teams witnessed this kind of success. And if he is if he is nurtured in a way, and they deal with this in a way in Cleveland that they haven't dealt with in the past, and they actually handle it semi-professionally, I believe that Baker Mayfield can be a very successful NFL quarterback, and maybe the awful dog days in Cleveland are officially over.
but it's going to be a hell of a story with Baker Mayfield in that dumpster fire to watch how it plays out. It is. Pete Munda with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Now, coming up next, some undrafted free agents. Some guys should have came back to college. I'm sorry. Some of these guys made a big mistake. Well, who do I think is going to be the most successful player that went undrafted in the Big 12? I'll tell you who that is coming up next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So as we continue on the NFL draft topic, as it relates back to the Big 12 Conference, uh, certainly a lot to touch on and a few players that thought they were going to get drafted uh, did not. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks, as always, for joining us, guys. I can't thank you enough for that. So some of the big names that you might look at and say, uh, this guy left early and did not get picked, makes you scratch your head. And it makes you wonder, who is advising these guys? Now, Byron Pringle, Holton Hill are two of the names I look at. Devonta Lampkin from Oklahoma. Deshaun Elliott from Texas. Now, Elliott, in his case, uh, was a sixth-round pick. And you just wonder, a guy like that who showed flashes of brilliance at safety at the Texas position to not come back. And I know he may have been one of the guys that didn't see eye-to-eye with the new staff. But to be that short-sighted, where you're not going to come back for another year, hone your craft under a really good defensive coordinator in Todd Orlando, and get yourself up to a third-round pick is just foolish. It's absolutely foolish. Here are some numbers for you. Six-round draft pick gets a guarantee anywhere from around, let's just estimate it, about $100,000. Meantime, you go to the third round, you're talking about over a half a million dollars guaranteed. That's a difference of four hundred grand, which sets you up in many ways for the next several years of your life in a way $100,000 just doesn't do. You know, ask anybody in the real world especially when you have agent fees and all this other stuff, you can piss away a hundred grand pretty easily. I haven't, I don't have that kind of luxury, but if you're a pro athlete, hundred grand will go fast, man, really fast. And the NFL is all about guaranteed money. That is it. That's all that matters in the NFL. And um, Deshaun Elliott did himself a disservice by leaving a year too early. Meantime, Holden Hill, a guy who certainly didn't see eye-to-eye with Tom Herman, had his deal with suspensions. But once again, he could have come back. He would have been pushed by this 2018 recruiting class for Texas that is loaded in the secondary. As good as any secondary recruiting class has been in the history of college football recruiting. I'm not kidding about that. Look it up. Caden Stearns, all these guys in that secondary, absolute animals. And maybe Holton Hill was afraid of losing his job. But you know what? Now you're going to the NFL as an undrafted free agent. Good luck with that. I I know it's better than getting just a flat-out invite to rookie camp. At least the team has some kind of stake in you. But uh, that's a piss-poor job by Holton Hill. And it is short-sighted. He got bad people in his ear, and it made no sense. Byron Pringle for Kansas State, you somewhat understand 24 years old already. He would have been 25 if he came back next year. He has a two-year-old down in Tampa. But once again, now you're an undrafted free agent. The team has very little stake in you, so they're not going to make sure 
that you're taking care of throughout the process and really give you every opportunity to make the team. And you got your degree, which is all well and good and happy for you there, but this does not help establish your NFL future. If you're not on a team, you know, you're basically damaged goods. And he did not have a very good season, especially as a wide receiver. Had he come back, Alex Delton and Skylar Thompson, the two quarterbacks battling for the job at Kansas State. I saw them in person two weeks ago in the spring game. They both looked like different guys. They looked really good and really sharp. And if he came back for another year to play with those two guys, or one of those two guys, he could have improved his wide receiver skills, been more consistent. He was already really good in the return game, both kick and punting. And I think he could have gotten himself drafted, even at 25 years old. Because in the end, the NFL, what do you get out of these guys? The average guy is, what, three years in the league? So what? He plays 25 to 28. I don't think the NFL would have been turned down by Byron Pringle at 25 if he was more consistent and showed off his ability in a better way. And then there was Devonta Lampkin, and I wrote about this in the site. I interviewed Devonta a couple weeks ago, and I didn't want to say it to him, but I have no idea why the hell this guy came out. He's played 15 games in his college career. 15 games. I know he's 6'4 and 330. He's got ideal size for defensive tackle. But, dude, he needed one more year. He had to have one more year. Prove yourself. Become an all-Big 12 defensive tackle, and then you're a top three-round draft pick. I mean, just stupid. Some of these guys get bad people in their ears. And I know you want to go make money. I know you want to get out of school. But look at the big picture. And look for what's best for you in five or ten years, not what you think is best for you in six months. I'm not an NFL uh, personnel guy. I'm not. But I could have given these guys better advice. I really do believe that. I do. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Um, Of the undrafted free agents, can you believe Iowa State's Alan Lazard was not drafted? I, I, I was shocked. When it got to the sixth round, I was scratching my head like, what? What? With each pick, I'm like, do people realize Alan Lazard is still available? Do they get that? And this guy's this guy can have a, a solid five-plus-year NFL career. I don't see why that's uh, an insane idea to think that he can have that kind of an NFL career. I think he can. Now, reports were he didn't want to move to tight end. Guy ran a 4 5 5 6 5, 225. I, I don't know why he has to move to tight end. And if you know Alan Lazard, he could have left for the NFL after his junior year. He came back. He felt the duty to come back. I met him at Big 12 Media Days. Seemed like a humble guy, ready to take on a leadership role. It was all about team first. You're telling me if you drafted Alan Lazard, he went through camp. And you said, listen, Alan, uh, we want you on this team. We want to see you succeed. I want to try out at tight end. You're telling me he'd blow you off? I don't think he's that kind of guy. I don't. And just shocking to me that 32 teams passed on Alan Lazard seven times. It's like, do you watch the tape? He can get the jump ball. He's that perfect, kind of like Mark Andrews in the sense of, Uh, Mark Andrews is technically a tight end, but he's really also a wide receiver. And Alan Lazard's a wide receiver, but he could be a tight end depending on your package. He can block too as a wide receiver. So he just had all the intangibles, all the talent, 
And the fact that he went undrafted was absolutely shocking to me. It really was. Another guy that went undrafted who I think should end up having a, or will have a really interesting career to follow is Joel Lanning. Picked up by the Dallas Cowboys. How about that? With his teammate, Marchie Murdoch, a fellow Iowa State wide receiver. And uh, that's one to watch. I don't know if Joel Lanning has the speed or the skills to ultimately cut it in the NFL as a linebacker. I don't have the answer to that. But you know what I do know? I do know that if he doesn't make it, it is not going to be because of lack of effort, and it is not going to be because he did not maximize the potential inside of his body to make that happen. And that's what excites me about a guy like Joel Lanning, the former quarterback at Iowa State. He loses a starting job. He ends up flipping the linebacker this past season, and he ends up leading the Big 12 in tackles. I mean, it's a hell of a story. Not enough people know it because it's Iowa State, and uh, you know the rest of the country isn't focused on Iowa State like they are Oklahoma and Texas. Forget it. If this happened in Oklahoma or Texas, Joel Lanning might have been a first-round draft pick because <laughs> people would have heard about this story so much. But I, I really believe that Joel Lanning's going to have, first off, he's going to be successful in whatever he does, but man, I cannot wait to see him hopefully get a shot in the NFL. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks, as always, for being a part of the show. Uh, Coming up next, the odds are out for the 2018 football season, and they might surprise you. Kick the dust up. So now that spring football is uh, officially over, I guess I'm not shocked at the latest Big 12 odds that came out when it came to the football field, but still, it's a little surprising. It is. You know, Oklahoma has an enormous amount of talent, but they are massive favorites compared to the rest of the conference. Pete Mundo, final few minutes with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, Find us on Twitter if you don't. It's at heartland underscore CS. And also uh, just find us on Facebook by searching Heartland College Sports and also on Instagram as well. Now, you look at where the uh, odds are right now. Oklahoma is an 11-7 to favorite to win the Big 12 Conference in 2018. What does that mean? Put down seven bucks to win 11. You know, not great odds. Not great odds at all. In fact, pretty bad odds. It doesn't mean I don't think Oklahoma can or would win it, but in terms of odds, those are not the odds you want to be taking at 11 to 7. Then you have West Virginia at 4 to 1, Texas at 11 to 2, uh, Kansas State at 9 to 1, TCU 12 to 1, Oklahoma State 15 to 1, Iowa State 29 to 1, and then you get to Texas Tech, Baylor, and Kansas. Kansas 299 to 1, which by the way might be the worst odds because at 600 to 1, I wouldn't bet a dollar on the Kansas Jayhawks. I, I wouldn't do it. Uh, but you know what's interesting is there's been so much talk lately about whether or not Kyler Murray could not be the quarterback of the Oklahoma Sooners next year. Keith Law of ESPN has Kyler Murray listed as like the 35th best prospect in the country for the upcoming Major League Baseball draft. So what if, is is a guy like Kyler Murray, if he's got the passion equal for football and baseball, would he pass up millions of dollars from baseball to continue another year of amateurism? I mean, that's a very fair and not unreasonable question to be asking about what Kyler Murray's future is not just in the Big 12, but with the Oklahoma Sooners and in college sports in general. 
Yeah, I don't know how good a quarterback Kyler Murray is going to be. We saw him play for a hot minute against West Virginia. Uh, He had that big run down the right sideline. Outside of that, we don't know much about the guy in terms of what he can be. Of course, he was the five-star recruit uh, and the big-time prospect coming out of high school, but that was a long time ago. He's been on the sidelines for a while. Is he the second coming of Baker Mayfield? I don't think he is. I think OU is going to have to use much more of its – running game with Kyler Murray than they had to with uh, Baker Mayfield. That's just my hunch. So if Oklahoma doesn't even know who its quarterback is going to be at this point, and you're losing Baker Mayfield and a ton of talent from that team last season, we know that OU has an enormous amount of talent. They reload. They don't rebuild. We know what that program is capable of doing, especially with the way Lincoln Riley has recruited this past season. But the last couple of years under Bob Stoops are really good as well. Uh, but I still look at this and and I say, okay, is OU really worthy of being an 11 to seven favorite? That's enormous odds. You go to West Virginia at four to one. I love the Mountaineers. I love Will Greer. I love the offense. But boy, that defense scares the hell out of you. It does. Texas at 11 to two is um, kind of comical. I mean, at what point do fans, and I mean the average Joe, what time does the average Joe college football fan stop putting his money on Texas and losing it? I mean, please stop year in, year out. You have these guys that hype up Texas, and they do nothing but disappoint you. I believe in Tom Herman rebuilding this program. I do. I think they can compete for Big 12 championships and college football playoffs. I don't think that starts until 2019. And the 11-2 odds, that's, it's too high. It's, it's just too high for Texas right now. It is. K-State at 9-1, to TCU at 12-1. to That's where you're starting to find some value. With Kansas State, if the defense can get back to being a solid Kansas State defense, you might have something there. You really might. In terms of shocking the Big 12 and winning a championship at the conference level like they did in uh, 2012, I believe that was. When they had a chance to play for the national championship up until November when they lost that game against Baylor. And you look at that, and that that should make you, I don't want to say think twice, but if I'm putting down money and looking for a bet that has value to it, it's K-State at 9-1, to it's TCU at 12-1. to I actually think Oklahoma State at 15-1 to is a pretty bad deal. I don't know what Oklahoma State's deal is this year. We don't know who the quarterback is. There are concerns on both sides of the ball. Uh, new faces on the coaching staff as well. I, I'm just not totally bought in to what Oklahoma State is doing in 2018. I could see this being one of those seven and five type of seasons for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Just kind of my hunch on where Oklahoma State is. I could see them in a lot of close games that come down to the wire. Iowa State at 29 to one, very interesting. Do I think they can pull it off? No. Kyle Kemp, David Montgomery, a good defense. Not crazy, not the craziest thing in the world. With the amount of parity in this conference, It's not insane. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of your independently owned and operated Big 12 site, heartlandcollegesports.com. Country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right.